Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for being here uh, at Outward Church. So glad you're uh, a part of this this morning. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm very stoked that you, guys, that you guys came out, especially on Labor Day. Holy cow. And did you notice we got a girl drummer? That's, that's amazing, right? Woo! Come on, girls. Give it up. Give it up. That's, that's killer. She's giving our guys a run for their money, so... Uh, that's fantastic. Listen, just a couple of things real quick. Uh, one is that we have a, uh, a training course called Equip now that is a one-year intensive discipleship process. We're in September through June. Uh, there's going to be deeper teaching, kind of like a discipleship model that's going to go deeper. Uh, I said a, a couple weeks ago that we had a, a whole group of people that went through this, and these are people of all, all stripes and all... all uh, uh, all levels of understanding within Christianity, and I got to tell you that God did some amazing things in that group. It was incredible. And so, if you're somebody who attends Outward Church, like this is your home church, this is something that's for you. We want to emphasize the fact that we want to see transformation in people's lives, and we believe that in part, like this equipped course, can kind of set you in the right direction for that. We can't promise uh, that type of transformation; only Jesus can do that. Um, these will be uh, small cohorts, uh, small groups of people, um, and they'll. Uh, you'll get to know each other. You'll be uh, taught together, that, that kind of a thing. It meets weekly. It's going to cost you something, uh, time, commitment, money. Um, there will be some, uh, <clears throat> some books to purchase and things of that nature. All told, by the time you're done, you could end up spending up to $300 by the end of the year on, on books as you go through. So it will cost you something. Uh, you can get some of those books used. And then lastly, um, everyone is welcome to apply. The deadline is September 12th. Uh, our first cohort is September 20th, so that's this coming Saturday, so get signed up for that if that's something you want to be a part of. Apply for it. It doesn't mean that you're absolutely in. Just uh, apply for it and see, see how that goes. You can check it out in that way. That would be amazing. Secondly is this, is that we do an event called THX here at Outward Church, uh, which is essentially we take a, a Thanksgiving meal along with a Christmas tree and gifts typically uh, on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, normally, we make the food ourselves, and then we, we take it out and it's a wonder no one's died from salmonella or anything like that, but um, I swear that we've done a great job on that. That's a winning endorsement, I'm sure, for our cooking abilities, but uh, last year we had like, uh, I don't know, five giant Traegers out in the parking lot cooking turkeys all night. That was, uh, that was fun, but uh, we're not doing that this year, obviously, because of COVID, and so we're partnering, we believe, at this point, this is written in pencil at this point with a, 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 a business called Fresh and Local, and so we're looking to chat with them about what the cost on that will be, so we're we're not entirely sure what it's going to cost uh, per family yet, but we wanted to tell you in advance so that you can start planning for how you're going to give uh, toward this uh, event called THX. So it would be super helpful if you could start planning, uh, start uh, telling friends about it, tell your uh, local business about it, and then on Thanksgiving morning, um, we're going to do some type of COVID safe type uh, event here. Normally we meet in here, there's like 300 people packed in, and that's going to be, you know, just red meat for the news media, so we won't do that, uh, but we'll probably do some type of drive-through, so we're going to need a ton of drivers that, y y here's, here's a, a sheet with a, an address, and here's the meal or whatever else we're giving you, and you take it, and you go and you deliver it. It's going to be super fun, so it'll be an opportunity for us to give back in our community on Thanksgiving Day to actually give thanks uh, by, by serving, acting on our faith, and it's a great opportunity to invite people that do not believe in Jesus Christ. We're in Luke chapter 8, uh, beginning in verse 18. Oh, nope, that's not true. Verse, uh, verse 16, the wind is getting to my, 
my Bible here. I should get some paper clips, but we're good. Uh, Luke chapter 8. If you remember last week, we're talking about the parable of the soils. Uh, the, it's normally called the parable of the sower, but it's not really about the sower. It's about the four different kinds of soil, four different types of, of soil. There's three that are bad soil, and there's one that's good soil. And we ended that by saying that Jesus is the one who makes us into good soil. He makes us, he breaks up our heart. Sometimes he uses disappointment. Sometimes he uses hurt. Sometimes he uses sickness. Sometimes he uses disaster in order to make our hearts soft so that we're able to receive uh, the word of Jesus Christ so that we're able to receive it. Now, there's a problem in the American church today, and that is that on some level, we think to ourselves, you know, I've received the seed. That is the word of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Let me tell you the gospel real quick. The gospel is this. I'm sinful and I need a savior. Jesus steps in, takes my sin on himself, and he dies for me in my place. Jesus is the one who takes my sin. Now, what, what oftentimes happens in America is this, is that we take way too lightly what it looks like to be a part of the local church. We t- take way too lightly what it means to actually be connected with God's people and to hear the preaching of the word. But what Jesus is going to tell us is that this is incredibly important for us to be a part of what God is doing here and now. But we don't take it very seriously, and why is that? Look at chapter 8, and we'll pick it up in verse, uh, in fact, I'll pick it up in verse 15, just to put it in context here. It says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Then Jesus says this, no one, after lighting a lamp, why is he talking about lighting a lamp? when he just got done talking about dirt and soil. Well, we'll see in just a second. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Now, I think that's a pretty confusing passage. I think it's a, I think it's a very confusing passage on some level. Why is he saying this? What's he talking about here? Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying that when you become good soil because the gospel has seeped into your life, when your heart comes to a place of brokenness, when you say, okay, I'm no longer going to allow my life to be trampled by all the things that are going on around me. I'm no longer going to be in the thorny soil or the the blackberries, as we said last week, that are just going to cover up the sunlight so that that seed can't grow. I'm no longer going to be somebody who's not hearing the word of God. I'm going to be somebody because Jesus has done this to my heart. Jesus has broken up the hard soil of my life. Then Jesus says, but it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's not just for you to know that. And too many times what happens is this, is that there's many, many, many Christians today who pay no attention to the reality that Jesus says, I've made you into good soil so that you could receive my word, but it's not just for you. It's not just for you. I want you to 
Let your light shine bright so that others would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But what's the problem? What's the problem with this whole idea of letting our light shine? Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus is talking about this. He's saying, no one lights this candle, this light, and then doesn't allow it to display light into this room so that other people in your life can see where they're going, can feel around. But I just have to tell you that there's a lot of people who conceal their light. We all conceal or cover our light. We do what Jesus is saying here. Why do we conceal our light? Well, there's a lot of reasons. The first one is just straight up embarrassment. We're embarrassed of our faith on some level. We're embarrassed of the supernatural elements of the gospels. Jesus healing people. Jesus uh, speaking words of truth to people. There, there might be an embarrassment. There, there's no doubt. There's many of us. I myself have been in many situations where I have been embarrassed of my faith. I've been embarrassed about Jesus Christ in some situations. Even as a pastor, there's an embarrassment that comes from having this faith. The second thing would ultimately be hypocrisy. Hypocrisy because of this, because I live my life the way that I do. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. I watch what I want to watch. I drink, I consume, I engage with all kinds of things. And if I were to tell people around me that I'm a Christian, they would immediately say that I'm a hypocrite. So why even mention that I'm a Christian? Because I'm just going to look like a jerk and then I'll... I'll be seen for what I am, but there's, there's this hypocrisy. Why would we not let our light shine? It's because of our own hypocrisy and our fear of being called a hypocrite. And there's just straight up unbelief. I don't really believe what the gospels say. I've just been a part of this social group called the church. And, I'm, and I've really just been kind of going along in life and haven't really been connecting with the words of Jesus Christ and his incredible love for me. I sing the songs maybe, but really in my heart of hearts, I'm sitting here and I am sitting in unbelief. It happens. It happens all the time. You come into the faith, the seed falls, but it doesn't grow because of the cares of this world or other people tell, you know, begin to convince us that this isn't true or, or whatever it is. And then there's just ignorance. There's an ignorance that happens in us that the, the church suffers from. I'm astounded at the books that pass as Christian books. I'm astounded at the Christian music that passes for Christian music. I'm astounded and what happens is this, is that our light doesn't shine because we're not hearing truth. Our light doesn't shine because we're not really hearing the truth. We're hearing falsehoods. We're hearing lies. 
and the lies tell you God wants you to be happy in your things, in your stuff, in the relationships that you have, and how you use your body and your lifestyle choices. God wants you to be happy, so do whatever you want. It's an ignorance that the church today has of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But the last thing, and the most important thing is this, is that we have an unbelievable fear. We have an unbelievable fear. This is why we'd cover our light. This is why we we wouldn't let it shine because there is an amazing fear. I'm listening to this awesome podcast called This Cultural Moment. You can look it up. It's about church and culture and stuff like that. Some great stuff in there. One of the things that they talk about is this, is that our nation as it was being built even though many of the founding fathers may not have been explicitly Christian, they were deists or they were, they were people that had some level of common ground with Christianity. Our nation was built on Judeo-Christian values. There was commonality between people. And so there was a sense in which, like you may be a full-on evangelical Christian or a, they didn't call them evangelicals then, but you may have been a Christian, a God-fearing Christian, And maybe I don't believe that way. And so it's just different. But we have the same basis. We're standing on the same foundation of Judeo-Christian values. But in recent years, what's been happening increasingly is that our culture has slipped further and further and further away from that bedrock that came from Judeo-Christian values. I'm not saying that our nation was a Christian nation. I'm saying our nation thrived became incredibly successful, the richest nation on the earth because it used God's principles in its founding. And today, it's not just that we're different. Like if, you're, if you hear the teaching of the word of God and you take it to heart and you, and you allow Jesus to implant his seed, his word into you, like if you're a true believer, if you're a Bible thumper, if you're someone who believes the words of Jesus Christ, If you're someone who believes what Jesus has to say about ethics when it comes to family and marriage, if you are somebody who believes what Jesus has to say about each of us being created male and female in the image of God and therefore your gender matters the way that you were born, if you believe that you're not just different today, you're dangerous. You are dangerous I just got to tell you this morning, if you walked in here and you said, I'm not sure what I believe about this, you have to understand something. That coming to Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you have a different religion. It means you're dangerous. It means to our culture here and now that if you truly take to heart what Jesus has to say, then you have the opportunity to suffer with Christ. You have the opportunity. See, what's been happening over these years for so long is this, is that many people thought, you know what, we're just different. But the teaching of Jesus Christ is not just different. It's straight up dangerous. It is straight up dangerous. When our culture says what you believe is dangerous, our response should not be that somehow it isn't dangerous, it is completely dangerous. 
It is completely dangerous, and our culture pushes back against it very, very hard. Why is it dangerous? Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. What happens when you become a Christian, when you become somebody who's a Jesus follower, you are following Jesus. I'm not talking about just enjoying Christian culture. I'm not talking about just going to concerts in the park and saying, we're going to worship anyway, although that may be a good thing as well. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm not talking about somebody who just attends church. I'm talking about somebody who has taken in the teaching of Jesus Christ and it has absolutely transformed them. When you become someone who takes the seed of Jesus Christ, you begin to bear fruit and that fruit, your changed life. The choices that you make to say, I will not be controlled by my finances. I am not a servant of my body. My body is a servant of Jesus Christ. When you say, I will no longer be controlled by money, when you say, I'll no longer be controlled by power, I'll no longer be controlled because Jesus is in me and now Jesus will be the controlling influence of my life. What happens when we go into culture? And we live differently, and we don't join in, and we're not a part of that. It's exposing. See, light brings exposure. Light exposes the reality of what is there. Jesus says, uh, no one covers their light, but when they go into culture, when they go into the world around them, they bring a light with them that shows the difference. Our culture is straight up angry. Our culture is straight up upset because we bring light into the situation and our culture is fighting against it. Maybe you don't see it. Can we just be honest about what's going on in our world here for a minute? Can we just be honest about the political situation? Can we just be honest for a moment? Because all I see from all sides are lies. All I see is a world that slips further and further away from who God is and what he says is true on both sides of the political aisle, on both sides, all I see is that. And as they slip further and further and further away, they're going further into their political camps. And so we see murders on the street and we see riots all over the place. And we see political infighting like we have never seen before. We see such caustic attitudes in our world, and it, it is a very poignant reminder of this, that we are not saved by our politics. We will not be saved by the next president. 
We will not be saved by having more money. We have more money. We will not be saved by our next physical escapade with someone or with some relationship or when I get married. We will not be saved by the contents of our bank accounts. We will not be saved by the jobs that we have. We will not be saved by those things. We will be saved by Jesus Christ alone. When you go into culture and you live and you bear fruit, it's exposing. And our culture gets very angry and they say, you're the cause of everything that's wrong. You're the cause, you're the one. Let me tell you this morning, signing up to follow Jesus is going to get real uncomfortable. It's going to get really, really uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable for Jesus? Are you uncomfortable in, in life? Or have you just grown more and more complacent? More and more just going along with the culture, more and more like, I just gotta keep my mouth shut. Or are you opening your mouth and you're saying, you know what, I will be saved by politics. This is not what Jesus has for us. This is not what Jesus wants. Jesus says when we come into the room and we have the light of Christ in us, that we bring in an exposing. We bring an exposing, and that exposing leads us to a point, leads people, thank you for that. Bless you. That exposing leads us to a point where we actually see what's happening in this world. It leads us to an understanding that we will be judged for our sins. We will be judged. In fact, in Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Now, if I were Jesus, I, I would think Jesus is gonna say, I'm gonna take out the, the Hitler's and I'm gonna take out the dictators, and I'm gonna take out the, the racists, and I'm gonna take out the wife abusers, and I'm gonna take out. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, you better be careful. Because when judgment comes, the light that exposes what happened in your life is not just going to the big things of your life. The light that comes is going to even the careless word. When you bring the light of Christ, you're bringing the reality that nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Your life choices that you believed were saving you are actually just a false God. They're an idol. It's idolatry. If Jesus is going to judge even the careless words that I say to my family, if Jesus is gonna judge me for the careless words that I, that I speak to culture, 
If Jesus is going to judge me for that, what isn't he going to judge me for? The light that comes in exposes this reality. It reveals that I am a sinner. The light that has come into me, though, says this. Even though you are more sinful than you even ever believed before, you're more loved than you could even possibly know by Jesus Christ. Even though you are this sinful, even though you are somebody who has had many, many careless words, especially in this climate of mask, no mask, uh, right wing, left wing, riots, shootings, all of it, even the careless words Jesus is judging us for. And if, he, if he's judging us for that, he's judging us for everything. But what happens is that we're covering our light. Because what I believe is dangerous what I believe is that people are going to hate me. What I believe is that if I shine this light, it's going to expose who I am. If I shine this light, people are going to hate me. If I shine this light, Jesus is saying, but how will they know? But how will they know? So the problem, though, is this. There's never been a time in history perhaps. I guess there probably has. That's a big statement, but recent history. How about that? Where you could make an excuse that seems good for society to not be at church. Well, I just want to do my part by social distancing and just staying home. And you know, someday when this gets all cleared up, then I'll be a part of the local church. We obviously don't have a huge problem with that. Got a good amount of people here. But I just got to tell you that this is a symptom of a reality, and that is that we believe that God and his teaching, the preaching of his word, is light and inconsequential. But it is not light and inconsequential. God's design throughout creation, throughout time, has always been to use the preaching of the word. And you say, you know what, Matt, of course you'd say that you're the guy who has to preach to everybody. That's, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's true. I do have to preach to everybody. This does serve me on some level. But you could always go to another church. You could. I'm not saying you should. But you always could. My encouragement to you, though, is this. Is that if your excuse for staying home, not engaging in community, not, not being a part of this, is rooted in a fear that meeting together as Christians is dangerous, then I think you need to rethink the basis of your Christian life. If your excuse for disengaging from the local church has something to do with, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic, it's just a weird time, Jesus is saying this. He's saying, you've got to let your light shine so that other people can see this because judgment is coming. But you're not going to know which way is up if you are not sitting under the preaching of the word. See, since the beginning, since the very beginning, there's been somebody that's preaching. Noah and others were a preacher of righteousness. Since the beginning of time, God's primary means of moving people through his words was 
that he had prophets, he had priests that would speak the words of God. And God's people must be under the teaching of the word. I know we have many people who are joining us either online or who are here today. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But you, what you need to understand is this, is that you and I must be sitting under the teaching of the word. And so if you have a local home church and they're preaching the gospel, then you should be under that teaching because nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Everything will be exposed. And so Jesus says, take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. Jesus is saying, it is important that you understand that the word of God coming into your life, the word of God being planted in you is not just a one and done kind type of thing. It is repeatedly putting the word into the good soil and then seeing fruit being born out of that. That fruit then shines a light on our world and on our city. But we don't take care how we hear. We're not careful that we even hear the word of God on so many levels. It may be this. I go to church occasionally, but I don't really do a regular thing. Or I go to church and I don't really know anybody, so I'm not sitting in community. I don't make it a priority to sit under the preaching of the word of God. I don't make it a priority to hear that. Do you know why? It's because we've bought into the lie that my finances are saving me, that leisure and luxury are saving me. It's, it's, it's that I believe that my things are saving me, my relationships are saving me. And so therefore, I don't make a point of sitting under the preaching of the word of God. I don't make a point to hear from God on a regular basis to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to whoever your normal pastor is or pastors and hear the word of God and see it change my life because I believe that, you know, I receive the seed of, of God, the word of God, and I'm good. And do you know what's happening to our culture? We're not shining a light. We don't have a light to shine because we're not hearing the word of God and seeing it change us. Maybe sometimes we're sitting around in Bible studies and we're saying, what do you think it means? Well, here's what I think it means. We're not hearing the word of God from someone that is just telling us like it is. So take care that you hear the word of God at all, but take care how you hear the word. You have to take care how you hear it because there's many, many people out there that are preaching for a lot of different reasons. They're preaching to build up a congregation because it's feeding their ego. We can all give into that at times. There's people who are preaching because they have a hobby horse that says, I believe that we should be able to do whatever we want. They've joined in with the culture and they've said, yes, that teaching is dangerous, but I'm gonna tell you what you want to hear. 
Maybe some of the best churches that are in our area are going to preach things that you don't want to hear, that you don't want to listen to. Maybe some of the, some of the preachers in our city that are not polished, that don't have funny stories, that are not exciting. Maybe some of those, those preachers are actually the ones that are bringing truth. Because taking care of how you hear the word of God says, I'm not going just so I hear the way that I want to hear or how I want to hear or what I want to hear, but I'm going to just let the word of God dwell in me richly. I'm going just to hear the word of God change my life. I'm going because I believe that I have lies in me that need to be exposed on a regular basis. And I'm, that's me. And if I'm the one preaching and I got to hear the word of God, you got to hear the word of God. Take care how you hear. Take care how you're hearing. But the question is, are you even hearing? I've known guys that sit and check scores or they're listening to the preaching of the word because they've heard it all before. And of course, you can't do that right now unless you're watching uh, whatever those stupid games that they have on ESPN these days. So I've got a captive audience here for a few moments and I can say this, but checking scores, not really listening, criticizing the preacher. By the way, I don't feel criticized, but I know a lot of guys that do. Criticizing how he says it, what he says, all that. Taking care how you hear says that I'm gonna be somebody who comes to church and I'm gonna have prepared my heart. I'm gonna prepare my heart with the word of God. Perhaps I'm reading ahead in the scriptures. I'm praying, God, help me receive what you have for me today. Do you want transformation? Do you wanna see our city changed? Do you wanna see anything happen? Or do we all wanna be a bunch of Christians who are, have no effect on our community? Or do you want to come and you want to hear the word of God in a way that says, I'm ready to listen to you, Lord Jesus. Would you change my life? Would you change my heart? I've never been distracted by a helicopter before in the middle of a sermon. That is a first. Whoa, that's too far. Am I prepared to hear the word of God? Have I, has my heart been prepared? Lord, help me to pay attention even when Matt is not interesting, which takes a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, right? But also that you would pray and ask the Lord to prepare the preacher. Lord, would you even give Matt something to say? Would you give my local preacher something to say that that I could take into me and that the word of God would dwell in me richly and that it would be transformational. It's also saying this, like I'm gonna take care with how I hear that I'm not just gonna come and listen to a sermon and then go, well, that was nice and I was entertained and then go home and never ever implement or act on anything. Do you know what Jesus is trying to say through the parable of the sower? It's people that hear the word of God, but that word of God never sprouts in their life. We all do this. We come to church, we hear the word of God preached over us, and then never see change in our lives because it's gone by the time we leave the parking lot because we did not take care 
with how we heard the word. We did not take care. Why is our light not shining? Well, there's fear, and there's hypocrisy, and there's all kinds of things like that. But all those things are only overcome when we take care to regularly have our hearts tilled by the word of God. Fruit comes from it. Light shines out from it, and it brings light in a dark place. Do you see our world as dark? Do you see our world as, as darkness? Are you afraid to bring the truth that Jesus exposes the sin that is there? Are you afraid to bring that message? Maybe you should be. But one of the most beautiful things is this, is that on the cross, Jesus was completely exposed. Jesus was completely exposed on the cross. He was exposed, meaning naked. The paintings don't do it justice. They have a loincloth on him. He was more than likely, most likely, completely bare. Jesus was completely exposed for all of the things that you never want to be exposed for. Jesus was exposed for all of the things that you never want to see plastered on social media. I don't know if anybody here has something in your life, a moment in time, a careless word, a relationship. Most of us might have one of those at least this week, maybe today. If this ended up on social media, if this ended up on the news media, if I were to be exposed, the world would come apart for me. Jesus says this, there is a light that is coming. It is his judgment. And everything will be exposed for what it is. The lies that you've believed, the lies that I've believed, about where salvation comes from. The lies that we've believed would make us feel better, make us feel good about ourselves. Those will all be exposed, but Jesus has a promise for you. His exposure can be in place of your exposure. Jesus was exposed to pay for the sins that we have committed. Jesus was exposed on the cross and he bled out and he died and he took the penalty and it is that story that brings such amazing love and care into our lives. It is that story that says this, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We live in a world that is weary and heavy laden and does not have rest. We live in a world that is chaotic and crazy and you could come into this world when you get the love of Jesus Christ in you that brings light to our world. 
that brings grace to situations, that brings love for your enemies or people on the other side of the political spectrum or people that choose different lifestyle choices than you. You get to bring the love of Jesus Christ in that sense because you're integrating the teaching of the gospel into your life on a regular basis and it is changing you from the inside out. I don't know if you want that. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that you feel like you need. I don't know if you felt like you just came to church this morning. I've, I've been honest with our church that I feel like something is going on inside of me. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. But something is going on inside of me that says, I want to ask for more of what God has for me than what I have. I want to ask for more than what I've experienced. I want our church to be a place that is on fire for Jesus Christ, that shines a light in our world that people see, and it's the light of the glory of Christ that's exposing and yet brings immense grace. And I don't know, is that us? Is that what we want? Take care how you hear the word of God because the word of God is going to change us together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we ask that you would do something amazing in our hearts and in our, our minds and our lives. Lord, we're asking for transformation. We're asking that you would move in power into our hearts. Lord, I don't know what kind of conviction or what have you has happened in our souls today, but I'm asking this morning that it would just begin to just till this, the soil. Lord, that you would break up hard ground this morning. Lord, that you would bring about change into each one of our lives by the power of your spirit. God, that you would move here. This morning, I, I want to invite you to communion with me. If you, if you grabbed communion on your way in, there's, there's some just right out here at the table if you want to grab that real quick. But when we do communion, when we come to the Lord's table, we come and we bring our, we bring our stuff, we bring our junk. And so would you take just a moment and would you just think to yourself, just, just by yourself, would you bow your head? with me would you just think to yourself like Lord what what is it that I, that needs to be tilled up in my life where, where's this deeply rooted sin in my life that that needs to be exposed where does your light need to get into Can we, come, can we come to the Lord's table this morning with a, a conscience that's clear? Because we're coming to Jesus and we're saying, Lord Jesus, 
Here's all my sin. Here's why I need this word this morning. Here's why I need your gospel this morning. Do you have that conversation with the Lord? Don't allow communion to be just something you do every week. Where does Jesus need to apply his gospel in your life? Lord Jesus, we ask you forgiveness for our sin. We know that you're faithful and that you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess. And so this morning we confess that we're not always right with you. Lord, we confess that we've been lazy. We confess that we have been hypocrites. We confess that we've been fearful. We confess that and we thank you for going to the cross for us. And Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you partake of the the bread or the body? And then he had some wine. And he says, this is my blood, which is given for you, shed for you. Jesus bled out and he died and he gave it for you, for your sins and for my sins. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the blood. Lord Jesus, we ask that this would be meaningful, that it would be transformational. Lord, that you'd move in our hearts and in our minds, that you'd move us to be people who listen to you so that we can shine your light in a dark world that will ultimately be exposed for what it is. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship here for a few moments.